your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. All right, welcome to the Friday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Make sure that you head on over to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON. They're going to give you $10 off your first box. And it is Friday. We're going to talk some Longhorns today. Ari Temkin from the Big 12 Radio Show on Sirius XM is going to be joining here in a little bit. Uh, but first, just want to remind you to give us a follow on Twitter. You can follow the show, LO underscore Longhorns. You can follow me, at Pat Sports Guy. Follow my co-host joining me now, at Cammy and G. Hey, Cammy, it's Friday. We're excited. Uh, a little bit of news to get into immediately because uh, – once again, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby uh, is in the headlines once again. Yeah, and I actually, um, I think it's for a positive, uh, I guess, subject in terms of why he's in the headlines. And by the way, happy Friday. It kind of feels like the first Friday since quarantine kind of started for me. I know things are opening up. I'm probably not uh, really going to go anywhere, but it's just nice knowing things are opening up and somewhat getting back to normal. Um, yeah, I thought Bowlesby kind of uh, took that first step in terms of commissioners. And I think, um, I guess for fans, it's exciting. It's exciting for a lot of reasons. You know, we've, over the last several weeks, you know, we've talked about how fluid the situation is and and how, you know, things are, are going this way and going that way. And, and we hear uh, Bob Bowlesby come out and he says, you know, I think there's going to be fans in the stands. Um, you know, he was on the show with with Dave Archer and, and Ari Temkin. And, you know, it's something that they talked about. And I'll go into greater length with some of the other things that he said during that uh, with my conversation with Ari. But, you know, the exciting part is the fact that he thinks that there's going to be fans in the stands, you know, because we, we were kind of thinking that there wouldn't be any fans in the stands. And, and honestly, we weren't even 100% sure that we would have sports, but as the weeks have gone by and the days have gone by, it seems like we've gone away from there won't be sports to now it's the question of, will we be doing it in front of fans or will it be done in an empty stadium? Yeah. And I think what stuck out to me the most in terms of Bowlesby's comments um, and one that's very realistic that you kind of have to find a common ground on is if you were to allow sports and these athletes were on a field or a court or whatever sport it is, and they are in close contact, and that is deemed safe, then why can't fans be in the stands if they're following social social distance guidelines and things like that? So um, I think that was probably the strongest point that he made. Um, it could go both ways. Maybe they're going to deem it not safe for athletes to be in close contact on the field, but I think if athletes are able to be um, in that close contact, then why not have fans? Yeah, yeah I mean, and, you know, Bob Bolton, he even said, you know, we, we're anticipating that there are going to be disruptions, right? Where, right. you know, if a player tests positive who's taken off the field, uh, you know, it, it, will a team say, hey, we're not coming now because of it? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, there's so many different disruptions that they've talked about. But the fact that I think that you make a good point there, if it is safe for players, and I think this is a conversation that nobody's really had, but like exactly. if it's safe for players, why isn't it safe for fans? So, you know, that's exactly we just keep hearing the arguments of, well, let's just have sports with no fans in the stands. But what really is the difference? Because if you think about it, the fans in the stands, if they're following those health and safety measures, the precautions and things like that, they're probably being safer than the athletes on the field. So I just don't understand why you wouldn't put at least a 
small percentage of fans in the stands. I understand we're not going to see any type of stadium or arena or anything like that be full, probably for a very long time. But um, I think you could start with a small percentage and kind of work its way up from there. There's always going to be, I guess, bumps in the roads and things like that, and maybe a few setbacks. But um, it's kind of like a unique situation that no one can really prepare for. Um, you kind of don't know how it's going to go. Like you mentioned, it's always going to be a fluid situation probably for the next year or so. But yeah, I just think if we do have sports, it would be a very um, shocking to not have at least some fans in the stands. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, when you when you look at everything and you've talked about, you know, players on the field and, and you know, and, you know, the fans in the stands and why it is safe. Like to me, it's no different. Like if you go grocery shopping right now, because I'll be honest with you, I ran some errands yesterday and the the store was full of people. Yeah, and that actually, that brings up another point, speaking of grocery stores. So um, AGV, for example, they've done absolutely great in terms of all these health and safety precautions and things, social distancing and, you know, all the X's on the floors, just trying to keep everyone six feet apart when they're in line, especially. But what, I mean, we go up and touch the pin pad. Most people do. You touch something around the checkout process that you just can't eliminate. And so I think, I don't know. I almost think it's inevitable. Like there's no way to just completely eliminate every single, I guess, um, chance of getting infected by something like that. But I don't know. I, I know it probably decreases the chances a lot with all the health and safety precautions going on. But um, like I mentioned, even though you're six feet apart, you're still going to go up to the checkout uh, pin pad and probably touch the same buttons that the person in front of you did. So I don't know. It's just a tricky situation. Yeah. Like are, are they disinfecting that touchpad every or think time. about like gas pumps or like yeah. cash things like that that you just can't get around so it's hard yeah i, I like you said I, I think it's inevitable and you know it could be like incidental you know spread when you talk about you know touching a keypad or you know getting gas or handling cash like you said you know there's very so many variations but i really wanted to focus more on you know kind of like the excitement of it right because there's a big game coming up this year on the schedule in a little place called Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it is hard for me to fathom a stadium like Tiger Stadium without some fans in it to play a football game. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be hard for any stadium, but especially big ones like that, um, where they're kind of known for that type of atmosphere. I Like I mentioned, especially larger stadiums, you should be able to fit – um, a certain percentage of fans in that stadium, but um, I guess we'll see how it goes between now and September. Yeah, the, there's a lot that can happen and probably will happen between now and September. Obviously, you got to get ready for you know any pre camps, and they they talked a lot lately about being ready for the season, and you know they talked about they need at least four weeks for. Uh, camp and, and preseason stuff to really get into the motion. So, you know, right now that we're approaching June, I don't think it's like a huge thing right now, but I think once we get into August, you know, if they're not mm -hmm. doing their, their camp by August 1st, I think it, that might pose a threat for them to actually be ready to start on Labor Day. Right. I agree. And actually, now that you mentioned that, the camp, for example, that could kind of be a first stepping stone. So I think if there's not too many setbacks during um, all of these schools, college football camps and things like that, um, that would be a great sign. And obviously, um, I would be more confident in the whole college football schedule playing out. But 
Um, it does worry me a bit. What if there are some setbacks during uh, that four week of camp or whatever that um, allows us not to have uh, that football season? So I don't know. I guess I'm 50-50 right now. But I think if football does happen, that um, there should be a small percentage of fans in the stands. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they determine what fans get to go. And, or, you know, is it going to be a rotational deal where, hey, you went to the last game. Let's open it up for different fans so that they can, you know, also participate, you know, and you know, it'd be interesting to see kind of how the viewership numbers, like how many people are sitting at home watching it on TV. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors that can be, you know, thrown into that. But, you know, there's there's some cause to be cautiously optimistic and excited about the upcoming football season. But coming up next, get into the conversation with Ari Timken about the conversation with Bob Bowlesby and kind of what we what were our takeaways from that. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is changing the game in the energy bars. And I think when you look at the worry about putting certain things in your body, you want the best ingredients. And that's the one thing that you get with them. It's There's no additives, you know, none of things that make it taste chalky or, or, you know, it feels like a natural flavor. It is an energy candy bar, in my opinion. You're talking about 100 calories. If you're counting your calories, this is a great thing. It's only 100, seven times less sugar, seven times less carbs, great taste, tastes fantastic. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. We're going to give you $10 off your first box. You can build your own and get one that they have already have set for you. Uh, definitely check them out. Let me know what you think of them. I think they taste fantastic. Uh, I highly recommend the mint brownie. That's probably one of my favorite, but I'm also a big mint chocolate chip ice cream eater. So I kind of like that mint chocolate taste. I, I think it's fantastic. Billbar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON and let me know what you think. All right, Patrick Kahn, the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I'm joined now by Ari Temkin of the Big 12 radio show on Sirius XM. You can listen to that Monday through Friday, channel 375. A little different right now with COVID-19. Ari, y'all aren't doing the full show. You're doing more of a social distancing podcast once uh, once a day. And I thought it was interesting you had Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby on this week. Yeah. Um, appreciate having me, buddy. And, uh, yeah, we had, we had good, 30 good minutes with uh, with Mish and talked about a lot of different things. Um, you know, including his sort of expectations for the season and, you know, will there, will there be fans, which he, he felt confident there'd be fans. He didn't you know, mention maybe full capacity, but, um, you know, it, it's certainly more, there's more optimism right now than, you know, than, than there's been a long time for not just there to be football, but, but fans in the stadium. But I will say, you know, that, that they are playing, everything, every contingency, you know, and try to figure out exactly what they can do when there is a positive test and all these different kind of components of it. So, yeah, I mean, um, it was a good coach with Bob Busby and, um, you know, he's really been a very uh, important voice in this discussion, um, you know, throughout because we just haven't heard a lot from many of the commissioners and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, Bowlesby then therefore has been sort of front and center in all of this, especially relative to a lot of the other Power Five commissioners. So I think he's been very much a leader in this category. You know, it's interesting that you bring up the fact that he's kind of been this prevalent voice that we've kind of been hearing. 
each and every day or every time that somebody, there's a commissioner talking, it seems to be Bob Bowlesby. And you're right about we don't hear from the other Power Five conference commissioners as often. Uh, you know, he said a lot of things, including, you know, one thing that I really appreciated was when he talked about the brown liquids that he's drinking almost every night. You know, I understand that, you know, with the, with the pressure that he's dealing with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I, I wanted to ask what he's drinking. It's his bourbon or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. You got it. It's like, all right, so what are you, you drinking? I want to make sure that we're on the same page here. No, but, you know, it was interesting that he, he brought up football fans because I don't think that anybody's really talked about that to an extent. I mean, I know uh, Dan Patrick, the lieutenant governor of Texas, kind of he wrote an op-ed piece at Dallas News, and he kind of talked about, hey, we can use computer algorithms to determine where people are. You know, so you're not at full capacity. Uh, how weird would it be, though, if they were have fans, let's say at 30% capacity, you're getting ready to watch a Texas football game at DKR, Texas Memorial Stadium, and you have only 30,000 fans in a in that stadium. Yeah, it would look like a, it would look like a Kansas football game. Uh, you know a little <laughs> something about that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, a Kansas graduate. Yeah, I mean, you know, so – a couple of weeks ago, if you had asked me this question, I would have said I, I'd be shocked if they had fans in the stadium. You know, but Bob Bullsby, and, and I think really the last week or two weeks, it's kind of become more obvious that, that there's a situation in which it could be. And Bob Bullsby kind of, you know, his comment on this was, you know, if it's safe enough to, for, the, for, the, for the players to be playing and they're that close with each other, like then it's clearly safe enough for fans to be in the stands. Um, but that there would be... You know, first he thought that, you know, there's going to be reluctance from people to, to go to games, you know, because of how close the contact will be with other people. And, you know, so that could limit capacity. Um, you know, Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, had mentioned that at Horseshoe, which is close to DKR, 105,000 105, people, it fits, you know, that they would be at twenty to 22,000 people, you know, maximum capacity. And look, I think there's a couple of dynamics here. Like one, it's going to be cool because it's going to be so difficult to get tickets. You know, like it's it's there have been years for Texas football that it's been impossible to get tickets. And I think with the expectations for this season, and and you know, I I know your expectations are high, mine are too for this team. You know that with if they do do let's say 25 percent capacity for DKR, then like it's going to be so hard to get tickets, which will make it even cooler. But and yeah, I mean, you're right. It's going to look weird because you're going to have a, a whole bunch of empty seats, but and it won't be as loud. But it's not like, you know, it, 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 with Kansas, it's like we're getting made fun of because nobody's there and nobody shows up and it looks empty. This is obviously different circumstances. So I, I think it'll have sort of a different aura. And I do think the fact that it's like it'll be so difficult to get tickets. It'll be one of those things where it's like, I was there. I was at this game, and it was so hard to get tickets because there's only 20,000 tickets available in a stadium that seats over 100,000 people. Right. Yeah, that, that is a weird dynamic. You know, and it's interesting, you know, you talked about, you know, what Ohio State was talking about, like, and what Bob Bowlesley is talking about, like, this dynamic that maybe, you know, people won't have the confidence um, to go. Uh, to be out right. in public, and and I disagree with that, and 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 the reason why I say that is because, like just yesterday, I was running errands and I saw how many people were packed in a Walmart, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think people really care. I think that they're going to be like, I want my football, I don't care. I'm, I'm, you know, so I, I think that they'll sell out quickly, and obviously, in Texas, 
Texas Longhorns football, people are going to want to be there. Um, and, and so that's no, – and, and I agree I agree with that too. I think, you know, people for having been socially distanced for two months or whatever it is, like I, I do think that it's slowly starting to open up. And we're, you know, we're, we're not even in June yet. So, I mean, we still have a few months before football even kicks off. So, you're right. By that time, things could be drastically different because they've changed – you know, things have been drastically different really in the last, you know, few weeks. So, I agree with that point. But what's interesting too is, remember, there's been declining – attendance for football games regard you know independent of this so right. you almost wonder if it's sort of a convenient excuse at this point as we've seen continual declining of attendance at games yeah and i think you know and both we brought up a good point about you know the television numbers are up and the radio numbers right. because obviously uh the beer's cheaper at home the snacks are cheaper at home you know so i mean yeah, you're not getting that college experience, and we, and as we all know, the college experience at a live game is so vastly different than any professional sport. Right, and remember, I mean, if we're talking specifically about DKR, you know, I mean, it's it's like it's difficult. I mean, we know how trafficy downtown Austin can get, and then I mean, you think about you know, parking is such a difficult thing, and I mean, it's just so many. The crowds are crazy in downtown Austin before games. Like, it's a fun atmosphere, but at the same time, like, there's – you're right. Like, people to have to leave their house, sit in traffic, find a place to park, get to, walk to the stadium, get in, beer. Like, that. that's that's why that's why we've seen declining attendance, I think. And there's similar yeah. dynamics like that across the college football landscape. Not yeah, just Austin. I, I agree with that. So, um, in your opinion, just before I let you go, do you think we have a full slate of games this year with, with Texas playing all 12 games? Man, that's a great question. And, you know, I think the true answer is I don't know. And anybody who says they know, it doesn't yeah. really know what they're talking about. Right. But, but look, I, I, you know, I think this is something that the Big 12 we know is planning for. Like they're planning to all different contingencies in terms of not having a full slate of games. You know, what do we have to do if there is interruptions? They're planning for what happens if there are positive tests. So I think, you know, it, the NBA and Major League Baseball was like just the timing could not have been worse where, you know, they, they, they're they hit with this during their seasons or for Major League Baseball, their season was about to start. So, like, the fact that football has had so much time to prepare gets football a major advantage here to be able to plan for how to start the season on time and then what to do, you know, if if there are positive tests, you know, what what's protocol and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think if, if if as bad of a situation as Major League Baseball and the NBA were in, um, you know, the college football and the NBA and the NFL are in such a like timing could not have worked out any better for them. Oh, absolutely could. Yeah, it's it's tough to forecast, and you know, I really thought it was interesting. So if you haven't, go check out the conversation that Ari had with uh, Bob Bowlesley, the Big Twelve Commissioner. Ari, appreciate you joining the show. Make sure you follow Ari at Ari Sports. Check out his work with the uh, Big 12. And also, check out the Cowboys beat. You know, me and Ari do a Cowboys podcast, so check that out as well. Yeah, I was going to say, don't I host a Cowboys podcast with you? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, we got to – I try to plug it here and there. You know, this is a Longhorns podcast, so I try not to push too much Cowboys on here. But, you know, got to let the good people know where to go listen. All Longhorns should be Cowboys fans, too. You should not uh, be Texans fans, Longhorns. You should not be Texans fans. <laughs> uh, you're going to start a war. <laughs> all right, all right. I appreciate See you, buddy. buddy.
Yep. You too. All right, Cameron. So we're we're getting into this conversation about quarterback of the century, team of the century on Longhorns Wire. And so we talk about the quarterbacks, and Bench Young's always the one that comes up. You know, everybody remembers Bench Young. But when right. you really look at it, if you take away team accomplishments, right? Talking about national mm-hmm. championship. Is Vince Young that much better than Colt McCoy? Well, I think it presents a closer argument than people might think. Obviously, you're going to put Vince Young at 1A and Colt McCoy at 1B, um, primarily just because Vince McCoy, I mean, Vince McCoy, Vince Young won the national championship. I think that automatically puts him ahead of Colt McCoy. But I, it's it's hard to put into a debate because Vince Young only started 32 games while Colt McCoy started 53 games. So that's quite a big difference in um, plays a large part of why Colt McCoy's stats are that much better. I know um, you can look at single season stats if you want to kind of take that part out of the argument, but Colt McCoy just did so much at Texas. And whenever I'm comparing the two, I always question myself in the back of my mind, whether Colt McCoy was the best quarterback to play at Texas or not. You know, it's funny. You started to say Vince McCoy, but I thought you were going to say Vince McMahon. And I thought we were going to go <laughs> dispute here. Um, you know, I, I typically lean Vince, you know, even if I take away the national championship, right? And and you're talking about a team statistic there. When I look at the two, like, don't get me wrong, Colt McCoy is, you know, arguably you put him at any other university, he's probably one of the best quarterbacks that they've ever had. Exactly. uh, The thing with Vince is for me and why I still consider Vince to be number one is because Vince took over games. Like when you needed a big play, uh, he could he could throw it downfield to kind of get his team going, or he could run the ball. I mean, and and I the and like for me, like I think of games where I just saw a complete takeover, and I think of 2004 against Oklahoma State uh, when Texas was down 35 to seven early on in the in the first half, mm-hmm. and Vince just he just took over him and Cedric Benson just absolutely ran all over that team and so like right. for me that's what I think of you know and, yeah. and so when you look at that you're like oh well you know I agree that Cole has better numbers um mm-hmm. you know, he's the all-time all-time leader in in most of statistical categories it's just hard for me like I can appreciate the conversation but I still think I lean towards events yeah and for me I I just kind of think they were different quarterbacks like you mentioned Vince Vince Young took over games and Colt McCoy was kind of more of a passing quarterback. So the difference in passing yards was kind of the most shocking to me because Colt McCoy had a little over 13,000 pass yards at Texas and um, Vince Young threw for a little over 6,000. So that's quite a big discrepancy. And um, Colt McCoy also had 112 passing touchdowns compared to just 44 by Vince Young. But like we mentioned, Colt McCoy started a lot more games, but um yeah, I, I guess Cole McCoy, McCoy kind of just floods the Texas history books. I mean, he's the leader in total wins, completions, attempts, touchdown passes, passing yards, total offense, touchdowns responsible for, passer rating, and completion percentage. So that's very, very impressive. So I kind of view them as tied, like the 1A, 1B type of scenario. Yeah, but you know, you know the thing that I always look at? Is Vince what? Young is sixth all time in rushing yards at the University of Texas? Oh yeah, he he definitely could get it done with his feet. Yeah, because there's you know Ricky Williams obviously, then Cedric, then Earl Campbell, then Jamal Charles, uh, Chris Gilbert, and then Vince Young. 
So, you know, it's hard to discount the fact that he rushed for mm-hmm. over 3,000 yards. And, you know, I, I think it's a good conversation. I, I like the conversation. It's just um, – it's a fun fun debate. Like, you can debate a lot of stuff. It, right. When it comes to Texas history and there's all those different ones. Um, you know, he never had, like, the monster – game that maybe a running back would have but he still made his mark so that's why it's hard for me to go that route considering uh you know how he played you know and, and just factor in everything that that bench young did i mean uh you could look at his 2004 season he had 14 rushing touchdowns um you know uh which is a single it was a single season record for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback at the University of Texas until some guy named Sam Ellinger came along. Oh, yeah, I don't. And I think what kind of put Spence Young ahead of Colt McCoy also is because he was, I guess, he had more hype around him coming into Texas. He was obviously one of uh, the highest rated recruits ever at the time. And I think the manner in which they won that national championship, uh, obviously defeating, defeating USC, the uh, reigning national championships or champions at the time. So I think he has a couple of things in his favor. And I think if he were to return for one more season, I don't think this argument would be as close as it is. Yeah. You're probably talking about back-to-back national championships or at least contending for back-to-back national championships had Vince Young decided to come back. You know, we had that conversation. So if you, if you want to hear that conversation, go check out our Locked on Longhorns podcast. We talked about that on our What If Monday a couple weeks ago. It's a it's a fun conversation to have, um, you know. But you know that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. Make sure you go listen to the latest edition, the Locked On Big Twelve podcast. Make sure you tell your smart device to play that episode. Jasmine Sadry uh, does a fantastic job. Definitely check out her work. Uh, Cami. That's going to do it for us. Um, You excited about the weekend? I am. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Yep. For Cammie, I'm Patrick, and we will see you on Monday. Welcome.